0: welding instructor alex DeClaire knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com metaverse impact welcome to the tech meme ride home for thursday march 21st 2019 i'm brian mccullough today Reset the X number of days without a Facebook scandal calendar. Microsoft launches virtual desktop, but begins sunsetting Windows 7. European Wikipedia goes dark. And the hottest coin in crypto is making people remember the glory days of 2017. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Another day, another whatever this is. This morning, Krebs on Security reported that a tipster had alerted them to the fact that Facebook had been storing some users' passwords in plain text form in systems searchable by employees. The source said that between 200 and 600 million user passwords were kept in these systems in this way. Quote, My Facebook insider said access logs showed some 2,000 engineers or developers made approximately 9 million internal queries for data elements that contained plain text user passwords, end quote. Now, note that at least at this point, there appears to be no malicious intent here, we think. This was just slappiness again, we think. Facebook immediately posted a statement saying it will soon notify hundreds of millions of Facebook users and thousands of Instagram users about this issue if their accounts were affected. Quoting Facebook's Pedro Kanahati, the VP of Engineering for Security and Privacy, quote, to be clear, these passwords were never visible to anyone outside of Facebook, and we have found no evidence to date that anyone internally abused or improperly accessed them, end quote. When was it that I did that rant about Facebook and the line between a move-fast-and-break-things culture and a culture of straight-up incompetence. The great Ken Duruk had this tweet thread today that I'll just quote from sections of, quote, How does Facebook, supposedly one of the more capable engineering firms, have such shoddy security and such shoddy internal controls? It's one thing to store passwords in plain text. Bad. It's another thing to have that many people have access to a database that have them. Bad. I can see how the first one can happen. A team builds a new product really fast, grow, and it doesn't bother to use proper solutions to store credentials. Whose fault is that? Maybe the credential store, culprit number one, is so cumbersome that the growth-oriented team, culprit number two, had to build something sketchy to meet their manager's culprit number three KPIs. This stuff is systemic. It's easy and fun to blame individual engineers, but as cliche as it sounds, this stuff is organizational issues. Nothing about storing passwords or building ACLs is rocket science. By making sure you have secure systems that can be used, think entire product lifecycle, easily, and making people understand that PII is as much of a liability as it's an asset, especially at companies like Facebook, is very hard. I don't think Facebook will ever get there for what it's worth. A company whose product exists as a function of the data you wished you didn't share won't respect your data. Okay, bye. Subscribe to my newsletter, end quote. Last year, Microsoft announced Windows Virtual Desktop, which it called a comprehensive desktop and app virtualization service running in the cloud. Today, it launched Windows Virtual Desktop in a limited preview. Quoting TechCrunch, It's worth noting that this is very much a product for businesses. You're not going to use this to play Apex Legends on a virtual machine somewhere in the cloud. The idea here is that a service like this, which also includes access to Office 365 Pro Plus, makes managing machines and the software that runs on them easier for enterprises. It also allows employers in regulated industries to provide their mobile workers with a virtual desktop that ensures that all of their precious data remains secure. One standout feature here is that businesses can run multiple Windows 10 sessions on a single virtual machine, end quote. At the time of this writing, Windows Virtual Desktop is only available in the U.S. East 2 and U.S. Central Azure regions, and you need to be a Microsoft 365 Enterprise customer to work with this in the first place. It is part of the subscription you already pay for, but you may need an additional Azure subscription on top of that to run multiple virtual machines in the cloud. But wait, Microsoft announced more today, including Desktop Defender Advanced Threat Protection for Mac OS, also in limited preview. What's that exactly? Quoting from VentureBeat, If you did a double take here because you thought it was called Windows Defender, you're not wrong. Microsoft is extending its endpoint protection platform to additional operating systems starting with macOS. And so, with the release of Microsoft Defender ATP for Mac in limited preview, Windows Defender is now Microsoft Defender. Microsoft Defender ATP gives macOS users, quote, next-gen antivirus protection, but Microsoft is also promising to add endpoint detection and response and threat vulnerability management capabilities in public preview next month. TVM is designed to help security teams discover, prioritize, and remediate known vulnerabilities and misconfigurations exploited by hackers, end quote. There were plenty more in-the-weeds announcements made by Microsoft today around Office 365 and Windows 10. So if this is your métier, do hit the VentureBeat link in the show notes for more details. Also, P.S., Microsoft says that official support for Windows 7 will end on January 14th, 2020, though enterprise customers can pay for extended support until 2023. Why am I mentioning a nearly 10-year-old OS that you probably shouldn't be using still anyway? Well, because chances are a good proportion of you are still using it because Windows 7 still makes up about 40% of the overall desktop market. If you are one of these recalcitrant holdouts, Windows recently released a software patch that will now start automatically warning you of the impending deadline. So to keep your stuff safe and secure, maybe start transitioning away now. Microsoft doesn't patch end-of-life software generally, though in 2017 it did make a rare exception by releasing a security patch for Windows XP, which had been officially retired for three years at that point in order to prevent the spread of the WannaCry ransomware attack. Remember that scary EU copyright law that is making its way through the European Parliament? We've been tracking it for the better part of a year now. Well, four European Wikipedia sites are dark right now and directing users to contact their EU representatives today, March 21st, to protest the copyright directive. Other sites like Reddit, Twitch, and Pornhub are doing the same, though they have not shut down access to do so. A final vote on the legislation is scheduled for Tuesday, March 26th, as The Verge reminds us, quote, The law in question is the EU Copyright Directive, a long-awaited update to copyright law. Although the directive mostly contains common-sense changes for the internet age, two provisions— have been singled out by critics as potentially dangerous. These are Article 11, which lets publishers charge platforms if they don't link to their stories, the so-called link tax, and Article 13, which makes platforms legally responsible for users uploading copyrighted material, the so-called upload filter. Champions of the directive say these laws will give publishers and content creators the tools they need to reclaim the value of their work from U.S. tech giants. But critics say the politicians behind the legislation do not understand the breadth of the laws they are proposing, and that the directive, if implemented, will harm free expression online. End quote. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code Ride Home. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code RIDEHOME. There's one crypto coin. That is still partying like it's New Year's Eve circa 2017. Allow me to introduce you to Binance Coin, which has more than tripled in price in the last three months, surpassing a $2 billion market cap. Binance Coin is the coin minted by Binance, the world's third largest crypto exchange by volume. Binance was founded in the midst of the 2017 crypto boom and after run-ins with regulators and authorities in Japan and Hong Kong, decamped to crypto-friendly Malta, where the exchange is still domiciled. Quoting Bloomberg, This is the best executing team in crypto, said Tushar Jain, managing partner at hedge fund Multicoin Capital Management in Austin, Texas. We expect to hold them for the foreseeable future, end quote. Binance Coin, also known as BNB, is used by holders to pay the fees levied by the exchange for trading. It's also on the way to becoming a favorite medium of exchange for issuers of initial coin offerings, allowing startups to raise money by listing on one of the most liquid crypto exchanges with about $1 billion in daily trading volume. What's made Binance Coin particularly attractive is the company's practice of tying the performance of the exchange to the amount of tokens in circulation. After an ICO issued 200 million of the coins in July 2017, the company plans to spend 20% of its profits each quarter to buy back and destroy Binance coins. An undertaking that may continue for the next 10 years, founder Zhao Zhangpeng said in an interview. About 50% of the coins were allocated to company employees and investors, end quote. The iPad mini reviews are in, so as per usual, let me just do a quick whip around the horn. Generally, everyone was like, look, it's an iPad Mini. If you know it and you love it, you'll know this and love this. Wired says, quote, the Mini feels personal in a way that other devices no longer do, not because of its actual newness, but because it is still here and slightly reinvented once again. Matthew Panzarino at TechCrunch said, quote, it's small, sleek, now incredibly fast and well provisioned with storage. The smallness is a real advantage, in my opinion. It allows the Mini to exist as it does without having to take part in the iPad as a replacement for laptops debate. It is very clearly not that, while at the same time still feeling more multipurpose and useful than ever. I'm falling in real strong like all over again with the Mini, and the addition of pencil support is the sweetener on top, end quote. Some people were dismissive because some people are just dismissive of the concept and place in the world of the iPad Mini these days. Here's Chris Velasco at Engadget, quote, There will always be reasons to keep the Mini around. As you read this, it's being used in point-of-sale kiosks and in airplane cockpits and on Chili's dining room tables, and that's great for them. For you and me, though, and for most actual users, I suspect this year's Mini will come off more as a capable curiosity than a must-own tablet, end quote. But Nilay Patel was more aligned with my, at this point, well-known position on this device. Quote, people who love the iPad Mini really love the iPad Mini. It's easy to forget that because Apple seemingly forgot that it made the iPad Mini. The last update, the iPad Mini 4, came in 2015 and it's barely been mentioned since. Most people both in and out of Apple assumed the Mini's middle-sized market position would eventually be snuffed out of existence by ever-larger phones and the repositioning of the iPad as a laptop replacement. But people really love their iPad Minis, and they just kept buying the iPad Mini 4, even as the rest of the iOS lineup was updated and improved over time. Apple told me it was surprised to find that people were buying the Mini primarily because of its size, not because of its price. And if people are going to keep buying something, it's worth updating, end quote. And if I may say so, long may that last. Finally today, a bit of audio levity. Yesterday at an Economic Club event in Washington, D.C., AT&T CEO Randall Stephenson was being interviewed on stage live in front of C-SPAN cameras when his Apple Watch started buzzing, distracting him. It was a robocall. It was a huge M&A activity that I was got to be part of. You were the CFO for many of that. I was, yeah, for a lot of that. And, uh, I'm getting a a robocall too. You got a message now, right now? (laughs) It's literally a robocall. That's from President Trump or somebody? No. He doesn't call me. He doesn't call you? Okay. So. um, Yes, the scourge of robocalls is so all pervasive, not even the CEO of one of the largest telecos in the world is immune. I kind of wish he had taken that call and then tried to reach an uh, actual human being so he could be like, do you know who this is? By the way, I think I've mentioned before that the various telcos are launching various systems to combat robocalls. at and and Comcast have been testing verified calls using digital signatures. It's the new so-called shaken-slash-stir technology, which, though it won't stop robocalls completely, promises to give you more control over verifying the calls you get inbound. Every day, for me, at 11.15am-ish, or about there, same call, every day, in Chinese. I never even know what the robocaller is trying to tell me, but it is adorable when my iPhone tries to transcribe the voicemail message. No Santa Tim announcements today. Sad. That air power thing is still coming, I swear. That is all for today, though. I've been your host, Brian McCullough. You can follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. The podcast subreddit is r slash ridehome. The link to subscribe to the ad-free version of the show is at the very bottom of the show notes. And by the way... I haven't reminded you of this in a while, but do rate us and review us on whatever platform you're listening on. On Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on your podcast app if it has a rate and review feature. Rate us five stars and write a review if you have the time. Especially on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. There are a couple of negative reviews on iTunes that came in over the last couple weeks that I want to bury. But honestly, rating and reviewing helps us grow the Mutant Podcast Army. So thanks to all of you who do or have done so in the past.